So today we're going to continue on our journey through the um, First Corinthians 12. Um, can everyone see? Everyone's in groups? Yay. Um, and we're going to go straight into um, the, the one in verse 9. So this is First Corinthians 12, verse 9. So we're talking about the gift of faith. Yeah. I'm just going to put it there. Okay. Right, here we go. I'll just read it out. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Yep. So this is pretty exciting. Because <laughs> there's a whole new mode of operation when we are born again of the Spirit of God and we are kids of the King of Kings. Amen? So um, what, what we really felt to um, lean into is the, the reference to faith-moving mountains. And it comes in several places. Um, and we're going to have a look at a, um, a parable that comes in two passages. We might even read both because they both kind of extract various things. So the first is in Matthew 21, verses 18 to 22. So I'll give that a whirl. Everyone got that? So Matthew 21, verses 18 to 22. <clears throat> now, in the morning, when he was returning from the city, he, this is Jesus we're talking about, became hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Interesting, we're talking about faith and we start off with the, the barren fig tree. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Interesting. Have we got your attention? So the next one is Mark 11. Um, and it sort of starts in verse 12, and it jumps a bit. <clears throat> Same story, just in a different gospel. So Mark 11, verse 12. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were lifting, listening. And then there's a wee bit of what he does when he goes into um, the temple. And I just want to 
pull out just a little tiny bit of this that um, also may be interesting. So he goes into the temple, he cleans out the temple of the money changers, and he says, it, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? Okay, but they have made it a, a den of, uh, a robber's den. Okay, and then um, in jumping to verse 20, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed it has withered. And Jesus answered him, answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. So it's um, an exciting little um, passage, and a very confusing little passage if we try and understand it in our brains. It's always one that confounded me, because it sounded awfully like Jesus was just... <coughs> getting angry and taking it out on a poor old tree that really hadn't done anything wrong. It just, you know, wasn't the right time. That was how I'd always interpreted it. But tis not so, um, because that's not who he is. So that would be a very strange thing to have to, like, Jesus doing that. There must be something more. So... It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to go searching for them, right? So um, we're just going to have a wee look um, at this, this parable and then um, look at some questions um, in regards to faith. But I really want us mainly to be landing the ship at the faith that moves mountains. But we do need to address this <laughs> Think as you'll be going, what the heck was that all about, right? Um, so I might just start off with this thing about the fig tree. Let's get it out the way, yeah? Um, we can come back to it because I think it's going to, um, it, it actually has um, other th implications through throughout. So when I was just praying on this and, and just seeking God, he led me to... Um, this place, and it um, it became a very clear thing that the the aspect about this is what we don't understand until we understand what happens with fig trees. So fig trees don't actually produce leaves until they've produced fruit. So they have <laughs> the fact that it was in leaf. It was a lone fig tree in the distance, and it was in leaf, it says. It was like drawing the passerby to come and look at the, at the figs, okay? So it says it's not the season for figs. That doesn't, it means it's not the season for picking ripe, full figure, figs. But when the, the leaf bract comes out, the small little baby fig is with it. 
and they actually used to even eat the little baby figs. They were a delicacy. So they, they were appearing at the same time. So for a leaf to have come and no fruit, there was no fruit on that tree at all. It wasn't that most of the fruit had fallen off and there was a few. It says there was none. So there was no way that that tree was going to be producing fruit. So what the leaves were doing, they were... There was, there was an aspect prophetically of it pretending to have fruit, drawing in. So there's this pretension of fruitfulness, but the reality is showing something entirely different. And that is the very thing that Christ is cursing, that which pretends to be, but actually has no substance. The form of godliness, but no power. The vain imagination that lifts itself up against the knowledge of God is being pulled down. The ways of man. I thought it was amazing that the, the tree was withered from the root up. I thought that was so significant because the root of self needs to die. I was talking to the Lord about this yesterday and I was praying that he would continue to curse everything of that root in my own life because I need to produce fruit after the, light, after the root of Christ. And if I'm still being um, uh, coaxed into or deceived to think that there's fruit in the other source, I need him to speak. I need him to pull that out. I need him to, to do the death work of the cross on that. So that's the, the fig tree. <laughs> it's cool, isn't it? There's a whole lot of things there because within context, it's, you know, there's other things that's speaking to the, the, the Jewish thing. There's a whole lot of stuff. I won't go into that, but I think the thing is it applies to us now that there can be that pretension of there's fruit here, but actually it's not. And Christ needs to come into the innermost part because the root system is where the life comes from. And our only hope of producing fruit that will last, as we heard this morning, is in abiding in him, having our, our source as Christ himself. Isn't that cool? The fact that he also is talking about the, and he's coming in and doing a similar work in the, the temple and pulling down those things that have been made. It says, you have made it a den of robbers. You have made it. Man's work has done this. And I'm pulling that down because it is written. Did you notice the word? It is written that my house will be a prayer, a house of prayer, for all nations. So who's the house now? Who's the house? We are. So when we're talking about the gift of faith and moving in faith and praying in faith, ask and you will receive where it's the same thing he's saying, isn't it? So he is restoring us back to who we are, to be a house of prayer that are ready to move as the Spirit leads in his realm, with his understanding, knowing that he will come through and do absolutely what he does, moving every mountain because it's not made by man. So I just want to start off with a question to the panel. 
actually just just before you cool, go, go on, baby, um, Jesus was actually fulfilling in that scripture uh, prophecy going back to Micah seven. 7 verse 1, it says, Woe is me, for I am like those who gather the summer fruits, like those who glean vintage grapes. There is no cluster to eat of the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. So that's a fulfillment of prophecy without even realizing it, that, uh, that he was walking along and he was fulfilling that. But it's that sense of, of the desire of his heart was to see Fruit, fruit in us, fruit in Israel, fruit in whoever, you know, whatever is planted of God, he desires to see fruit. And um, to come and find that there was no fruit. It all looked good on the outside, but there's no fruit. And in some ways, that's what God's been doing in, in our body here. He's been dismantling us because we've been a, a body that looked good on the outside with lots of leaves and things like that. But yeah, underneath, where was the fruit? How many of us really knew him? And so God's desire, I mean, it says the first vintage, the first ripe bit. And that's that um, when Sandra was talking about the when it first forms the leaves, that first little, uh, what do they call it, pod, was it? or? It's got another name, I can't say it. Yeah. But it was just so important. And then the f- yeah, everything that is in us, he's looking for that fruit. So do we think fruit's important? <laughs> it is, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. That's awesome. So the, the first question is um, for the panel. So what is faith as defined by the scriptures? Who would like to kick us off? There you go, Chris, I'm sure you will. Chris R. <laughs> um, well, there's a, I know there's a pretty classic example, a classic answer. It's uh, the assurance and conviction. You can pretty easily say that. Um, the interesting thing that I find about faith is, like, um, where does it come from? <laughs> you know, I know I can give lip service to what faith is, and so, I, like I say, assurance, conviction, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. But I feel like until we experience faith, we kind of don't really understand what faith is, because it's more than just the word assurance or the word conviction or going, yep, that's right, and it sits nicely in my mind, but it's such a big deal that the Israelites couldn't enter the promised land without it. It was a physical impossibility. This is something that you need in order to live in this realm. It's a, it's, I, I call it a commodity, but it sounds kind of crass to call it a commodity, but it's something without which you have no capacity or bearing to even engage in this realm. You know, um, Jesus says, um, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And for me, this being born again in faith is synonymous, that it says in Romans that um, uh, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. And I think the Amplified Version, I'm going to read it in my version, but I've written it in the Amplified as well. I think it says, springing, both springing from faith and leading to more faith, because it says the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith to faith. And, and the Amplified Version, I love it, it says both springing from faith and leading to more faith. So, you know, we have this understanding that life tends to life. Well, it's the same with faith. This faith that we receive from him has the capacity to grow into faith. But without it, you can't get more of it. <laughs> um, faith. For me personally, when I was asking the Lord about this question, he just gave me purpose and expectation. Um, because it was interesting too to where this particular parable is situated um, in Matthew 21. It was when he entered Jerusalem. It was revealing that he's a king and his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But then also too, it sits on Matthew 24, which is you know the revealing of the glorious king. So I was thinking, man, faith. There's a purpose, but there's also an expectation. Um, because I think of the fig tree, there was the leaves to show there'll be fruit. But it didn't, yeah. So there's, I was, when I say expectation, please don't hear the negative in it. Um, there is an expectation, just like Jesus expected the fruit from that tree, there is that within us as well too, due to the likeness of his image, there should be an, it should look like him. So he should come before you and he should see himself. And that's what I meant by expectation. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, it's, that, um, it's the utter conviction of knowing um, those things that are unseen. And um, it's funny because I think more Christians are more familiar, dare I say it, with the opposite of faith, which is unbelief and fear. And, and even in my own life, I've had to you know, battle with that because you know, sometimes we get so caught up in our unbelief and our faith, uh, unbelief and our fear, that it overrides all the faith. I mean, when Jesus was walking with the disciples, who did he criticize, them? well, not criticize, but who did he ask the most about the lack of faith? It was the disciples. Over and over again, yet they were there with every miracle that happened. They were there with every ups and downs and all the different things that happened. They saw so much. And yet, he said to them, where is your faith? Mind you, that was pre-Pentecost. You know, and yet we're living in a church that should be pre-Pentecost. We should be full of the Holy Spirit. Like Stephen, opposed to me, yeah. Like Stephen, he was a man full of faith and of power, it says. And he was only a deacon, you know. And so that, that is our position that we should be filled with. Having that utter conviction and knowing and seeing that which is in the unseen realm, and then living from that position, and then when you when you've had a grasp and understand it, then you you run towards that which just like Abraham did. Good. Um, I was thinking about that with the little faith, and there's even before the giving of the Holy Spirit, there are a couple of instances where God. Jesus actually talks about great faith. And um, going back to this expectation thing, the Syrophoenician woman who, who wasn't even from 
the tribes of Israel said, if I only got a crumb, because she saw who he was. And she realized that 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 table was for her. And this is the expectation that we come with. The table is for us. And the things of God are for us. And so that expectation pleased Jesus so much. You know, so I think it's a very good point that that expectation's there. It's not just a head knowledge, he does this. It's like, I expect it for me now. Yeah. And the centurion as well, wasn't it? Yeah. He was the same. And Jesus marveled at his faith. Yeah. I haven't found yeah. such great faith in all Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Then there was blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting on the side of the road and he's crying out, Son of David, Son of David. Well, you'd only cry that out if, it was a, if you knew he was a Messiah. And he's crying it out in expectation. And Jesus said to him, you know, your faith has made you well. So there was that incredible faith that he had. The woman with the two little mites didn't say she had faith, but she must have had faith to put what she had. She was living out of basically nothing. And to put that in the plate and live off nothing had to be faith. So there's so many examples of incredible faith, not just in healing, in the giving, all sorts of things. So, so that, do you want to do anything with that before we go on to the... I was just thinking about how, um, how James says that faith without works is dead, and so that there has to be an outworking of this, right? That where, where you cannot have genuine faith that doesn't have an outworking... And so it's not, the outworking itself isn't faith. The outworking is the revealing of the faith that's evident on the inside. It's a demonstration. And so genuine faith, and just briefly looking in Hebrews 12, which is the most classic passage on faith, every single one of these people were in the reality of faith, and it caused an outworking in their lives like they couldn't help but outwork in some capacity. That's very cool. So there's, there's lots to dive into. We're going to actually continue this particular theme next week as well because there's too much to do in one week. <laughs> but um, we'll just, just want to touch on and just ask the panel for um, um, how they've seen faith moving mountains in their own lives and, and also in the body to mature her. Because remember, that's what these gifts are for, yeah. to mature the body. Um, so I just want us to expand what we might apply this to because um, it's way bigger, way bigger. So um, you want to start? Still processing the question? Okay. Um, so I've got, a, I've got a testimony where I, I feel like the gift of faith was working in my life in, in a, at a point. And it's, it's an interesting one. So talking about faith now, there's a couple of... <laughs> the manifestation of the spirit. This is so. This is the way that I understand this, and you know we can talk about this. I feel like this was faith beyond my own capacity. This isn't the faith that was mine that I have every day. I I can't choose to do this. I don't go. This is how God always works. It, it, and so this happened in a moment. I'll just share the story, and you guys can can draw what you will from it. So I was on a building site, like I seem to be often, um, and. We're working on the side of this house. We were doing um, very uh, this. We had to do work on the side of this house where we were shortening the side of the roof. 
I won't go into the details that go around that, but the, the long and the short of it is, we, have, we had the scaffolding set up along the side of this house, and it was probably almost the length from the door to that door. So almost about, it was about 12 metres. It was really long. And I'm working with one of my guys, and I said to him, so he's got this paper folded up. The roof is about eye level, or just a little bit higher. And he's got to fold the paper up to do all the work along the side, and then he has to fold the paper down, staple it all down before we can put the roof back on. And I said to him, make sure you don't leave any tools in the roof space before you staple that stuff down, because it'll be gone otherwise, right? And um, he's like, yep, yep, got it. And so he's tidying up and he starts, you know, packing up and getting his tools and everything. And I go around the house to go and work on something else. And I come back about 20 minutes later and it's brilliantly stapled down. Everything's stapled down. He's got straps on it and it's completely done. And I said, right, are you ready to put the roof on? And he goes, yeah, except I've lost my hammer. (laughs) And the thing that I'd asked him to do, he hadn't done. He hadn't found his hammer, which was in the roof space. And I'm like, oh man, like this, I just was thinking, man, I do not want to be trolling through the roof to find this hammer, because it's not even simple, like it's, it's long, it's fully stapled off, there's insulation in there, and it's a mess. Metal detector? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of metal in there too, and you know, it's probably about this deep, right? Um, and so I, I just was walking along and I said, this is what we need to do. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us where this is and believe that he's going to show us. And as I'm saying this, I'm walking along the scaffolding and I went just like this. And I reached into the roof space and I kid you not, this is a moment where I felt like faith grabbed me and I did something that as I was fully extended, my mind went, who in their right mind would, would do this? And I was just thinking, I've set myself up for a magnificent fail, right? But, but by that stage, it was too late. I'd gone, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, and he's going to provide it. And reached into the roof space, and just at the moment where I was going, what am I doing? I touched the hammer. And I went, and I pulled the hammer out of the roof space, and he looked at me and he went, what? He goes, what just happened? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just said, it just, that just happened. And he was like, I don't get it. And I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) And and we just had this moment where we were so amazed by this this thing that was so mundane. Like we could have just torn open the roof space. It would have taken us half an hour to an hour, right? Half an hour, let's say. And yet something inside of me wasn't satisfied with that. And I just love that God isn't into the massive and the life-changing moments that we might define, but he's interested in every part of our lives, you know? And, and, and I, I think about the guy who lost his axe head and Elisha put a stick in the water and made it float. And it's like, well, could have miraculously just provided any other means of getting him a new axe head, and yet God cared about that. And it was so similar because his livelihood's tied into it. We could have worked without the hammer for a while or could have found it. And yet God's like, this is the way. And the, the reason that I feel like that's an example of faith is that there was something inside me that, that stepped up into this. I had absolute assurance that God was capable of doing this. This wasn't faith in myself. It wasn't a party trick. And I spoke 
and acted according to what I had spoken. And I just felt like God met me where I was at. This was a, a declaration, and I, I so often see that even Christ in the moment of the fig tree says something to the fig tree. He's like, I, you're cursed. No fruit's going fruit's to grow on you ever, ever again. And he has this conviction, declares it, and the reality follows. Yeah. And that's, that's what, exactly what happened. Well done. Oh, cheers. <laughs> um, about seven years ago, the Lord asked me, um, Sina, am I your first love? And I thought, ugh. <laughs> I was like, um, in my head, I was like, okay, let's call this for what it is. And I went, no, you're not my first love. He was, and he replied, okay, something's got to give, and it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> So, seven years ago, long, I was trying to make quite short, so in, in that, um, he gave me a, a lot of wisdom um, in regards of, I had, you know, because I was at the peak of my career, peak of, I've worked hard to be a national manager, particularly, so, but what he he gave me so much was so I went, okay, no, okay, so I gave everything up. I thought, right, sweet. And then I, um, he gave me wisdom because there was aspects of part of it where I had debt. He said, do this, this. He put every action in plan. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go with this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to smell like, but I'm just going to go with this. <laughs> because I had already kind of seen his um, hand on my life. But... Um, until he touched on something which I thought, oh, okay. So I thought it was just about the job. Easy, I'll give up the job, no problems. And then he said, oh, no, it's about the money. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, no, sweet. But I didn't realise with I had associated rest with money, freedom with money, um, just everything, because it was like, oh, if I needed rest, I need a holiday, so I need money. Um, also, too, it really revealed my pride, because if, if anyone in here wanted to catch up with me, I was like, well, I can't pay my way, I'm not paying for, you might think I'm poor, yeah, no, we can't have that. You know, it was, it was really quite hideous, um, and then it's been phenomenal just what the last couple of years he's done um, and no way it's been easy but it hasn't been hard either um, why it was hard it was because I was he was like let go let go and I'm like I just kind of went yeah sure let go let go and I'm like sure like this is like let go <laughs> but um, but in that he taught me a lot and then when what he was doing there, he was also building my identity, um, just who, who I was in him and who he sees that I am in him. And in that, with that sight, it really helped me to see even, not only individually, but then corporately, it made it the sight to see, to be part of this body. It was, it was getting easier. It made it easy. Does that make sense? It wasn't just about me and him now. It's me, him, or everybody. So, yeah, it, it just gave... It was the sight of the Father to everybody. It was incredible um, just how it's having the sight, how he sees you, how he sees you, how he sees you. It's, it's incredible, but that, yeah. 
I'm sure someone can expand on it on the panel. <laughs> um, I've got uh, two cases that uh, just remembering. Um, I remember years ago now, um, I had a boss, a South African guy, and he was quite, not gruff, gruff, but he was black and white, you know what I mean? Uh, fairly straight up and down and things like this. Anyway, he got ill, and uh, he ended up in hospital with pneumonia, and uh, <coughs> there were one or two people going, there were about three or four possibly going to go and visit him that day in hospital, and I just felt God say to, to me, I want you to go and visit him and pray for him, and I thought, uh, yep, <laughs> and I thought, uh, but there's going to be others there, <laughs> it's going to make it a bit more difficult. Anyway, suddenly, out of the last minute before going, the others couldn't come. And I thought, right, okay, Lord, you, you, you've definitely set this one up. <laughs> so I remember going to the hospital, and I bought him his favorite magazine, hearing up this, and I was busy chatting away. You know how you chat away until you think, when am I going to do it? And I said to him, <laughs> I said to him, would you like me to pray for you? And he said, well, yeah, that'll be fine. So I did, and I remember... God's presence being so strong in that room, and I just touched his forehead, and I just felt God's presence just so powerful in that room. And then I said to him, boy, did you feel that? And he said, nope. <laughs> now, the thing was, I think God was trying to do more in me than what God was trying to do there, you know what I mean? And I don't know what, whatever really happened there, you know what I mean? But I definitely felt God's presence. And, and he was in that room, and maybe, I don't know, you just don't know whatever happened or what came out of that. But I know that it was God asking me to step out, um, you know, rather than hold back. The other one that I had was uh, when I was a student, and uh, um, we had this uh, flat that overlooked the road, and there was a, um, an old couple that lived there. And I remember I often used to pray at uh, my desk, and it overlooked that uh, place and there were two ambulances out there and uh, an old man got into one and an old lady got into the other and they both went opposite ways and I thought gosh I wonder whatever happened to them three weeks later I was busy praying and I had them really laid on my heart and I was praying on my knees and as I was praying I felt God say I want you to go and visit them and I thought well there's been no life in that house no lights on at night or anything like that they're not there but anyway, so I'd ignored it. The second day, I felt the same prompting, go over, knock on the door and offer your services to help them. And I thought, what? But they're not there. So I ignored it. The third day, I felt this real prompting, I want you to go over there, knock on the door and offer your services to help them. So I thought, oh, well, God, if this is really you, I will do it. So I went over there and I knocked on the door and I knocked at least two or three times and there was no sound. And I said, Lord, if this is really of you, I'll knock one more time. And as I was knocking, I heard this sort of shuffle, shuffle type thing in the background. And next minute, this very, very frail voice yelled out and said, what do you want? Go away. We're not well. And, um, and then I sort of stumbled over my words saying, uh, look, I'm from over there. And I thought I could come over and help and all that sort of thing and offer my services. And anyway, she... She opened the door, and you could see all these chains, you know, <laughs> this crack. And that. What did you say? And I said, uh, well, I'm just from over the road there, and I uh, just, uh, you know, if I could do some, you know, if you want some groceries or whatever help you need. 
Oh, just wait there, she said. And she shuffled away. She said, Stan, Stan, God's answered our prayer. There's somebody here to cut the hedge. I said, cut the hedge? I've never cut a hedge in my life. <laughs> but, but I did. I ended up cutting that hedge. And um, it was amazing because you know how God does things that you just don't realize the story behind it? You know, the year before that, another young man, two young men knocked on the door. And they answered the door. They opened it wide. And they burst in, robbed them. And they knocked, they, I think they beat them up, and they knocked them to the ground. The, the old man who was in his 90s used to do golf and do all sorts of things. Very, very agile. But he broke both his hips. When you break both your hips, that's, you know, your, your mobility is gone. And so they were living in fear of young people. And here was I, a uh, 19-year-old or whatever I was at the time, knocking on that door, or 20-year-old, I can't remember now, you lose track of time. But here I was, knocking on that door, and they saw a young person. But um, it was amazing how God just healed the rift. And then a lot of the young guys all around the flats, they're all Christian flats around there, came over and we used to take over the guitar and sing songs to them and she'd invite all her friends over and things like that. And it was just a wonderful, you know, how God restores things. And it was just such a beautiful time. And then, I mean, it was just so wonderful to, you know, when she died, just to pray with her on a deathbed. And it was just so wonderful how things changed and it affected her life, her husband's life and all the community around them. So stepping out like that is really important. Isn't it um, amazing how all of these testimonies have come from God saying something? Did you notice that? So we literally live by everything that he says. And it, uh, that's once we start asking, and, and, you know, I know God's challenged me so much. Whose voice are you listening to? What voices are you listening to? Are you in your own thinking or are you listening? You know, he, he said to me, I've shared it, you know, you're not a thinker, you're a hearer. And it, it, is, it all comes from that place. And I just want to open up, um, we're going to stop in a couple of minutes, just the capacity for what mountains can be, because it's so easy to think that it's out there, it's someone else's mountain, <laughs> um, and we've heard that, and we've also heard of mountains that are within us, and, and the things that are incapable of our shifting them, no matter how, how hard we try, and I know I've shared before about how my life was it, it was going around mountains. And, and I think that's a common experience for people that, you know, they, they have these, you know, trying to push through things and you end up back at the same place all the time. And for me, there was a life that was pretty much driven by anxiety and fear and frustration. And when, when God spoke to me, and it was, a, it was a big process, but there was a word when he said, I want you to throw it off, and it was actually in, in relation to blind Bartimaeus throwing off his cloak. I want you to name those things and throw them off. That was the word. And as I did, and I named them, and he appeared to me, and then he spoke the words that all the old things have passed away, and behold, I've made everything new. That word 
made everything new. I received the word in my spirit. It wasn't just, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. It was, I received it because I heard it. And life has been without the mountains of fear and anxiety and frustration. Literally, I've lived it for decades, well, however long it is now. It's a fair number of years. Um, and, you know, it, it happens in, there's this extending faith upon faith that you were talking about, you know, and how he grows us because it's about us maturing. And I remember, you know, there's been time and time again of various things. And one thing I remember when Chris was um, really unwell and there was this, this natural mind saying, maybe I just need to pull back a bit um, from, you know, being available to, you know, within the body, doing things, whatever. Um, and he just, quick as a wink, said, you're really in season and out of season. And it was like, and what's a season, Sandra? <laughs> Are you defining what a season is? Are you saying, oh, this is a season that I pull back? Did I say that? No. <laughs> and it was like, from that point, um, that hasn't stopped. And it's like, who's defining your capacity? Literally, who's defining your capacity? So when, when I ask something that's beyond your experience and perhaps beyond what you think is possible, that's me. <laughs> you know? And it's not something you're, you're now no longer confined. So a mountain is, is almost like a ceiling as well, I think. And faith that moves mountains speaks to those ceilings that cause us to stay at one level when he's wanting us to go from faith to faith to faith. So we just want to spend some time now in, in our um, tables, so make sure you're all in a table with a decent number of people, and there's going to be a couple of um, questions just to, to you know, um, work together with, and um, I just pray that you would take this away and, and really take it to the Lord and ask him to continue to uproot what needs to be uprooted and, and um, open up the eyes of our hearts so that we know what realm we're living in and from. Amen? Thanks, guys. Well done.